Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. Oh man. All right, well, record button's hit, so. All right, one last sip of coffee. Charlie's done with his. You're saving it. Saving it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 34 of none other than the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, Meadcast, Meadcast. Yes, you guys know what to do. What? It sounded like more than just my voice or me and Evan's voice. That was four voices altogether. We're back here with another episode with the Brewers and talking about our third uh, Dragon Tea Series Mead, Smaug. So welcome back to welcome back to the uh, podcast recording studio, guys. Thanks for having us back. Hello. I had no choice. You had to, you know, I had to do it. So, hello. <laughs> so we've got uh, we've got Charlie, Clint, and Perez again. If you have been listening to the other episodes on our other Dragon Team meads, then uh, you've heard these guys talk before. And what we basically do is is go over kind of the story behind the mead, uh, the ingredients, and I don't know anything else we we feel like you might want to hear about the mead that you've been uh, hopefully enjoying, loving, and even hoarding in this case. In the case of these last two, um, well, all four, I guess, of the dragon meads, because um, they're going to be gone very, 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 very soon, and uh, yeah, you know, you're going to miss out. So, all right. Uh, so, Smog. Smog is a name that is probably well known to almost all of our demographic, uh, the people that come to the mead hall and enjoy mead, um, but possibly not. So, um, Charlie, could you tell us what 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 does this word smog mean? So smog, got to get the A, O, and the U in there. Yeah. Smog comes from J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yes. Nice. That, that was a book? It was. I thought it was a movie. And a movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Clint's giving me this disgusted look. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, The Hobbit, uh, way, way back in the day. When, when, when Does anyone know when those books were written? 1873? <laughs> Holy... No. <laughs> are you... Oh. <laughs> I was like, I believed you. I was like, whoa. No, but like some early 1900s or like 1940s? I think 50s, it was like during 30. World War One, World War Two, something like that. Oh man, I, I this is why we research before we do the Meadcast episode. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but the Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, busted out all these different <laughs> books uh, in the realm of what's the overall kind of. Is there a name for that like realm or that that uh, Middle know, Earth? Yeah. Middle Earth. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That so all the books surrounding the Middle Earth because uh, there's Lord of the Rings, there's The Hobbit. Are there actually any more? Or is that? Oh, is there the, there's the Silmarillion, which is more like a description of things that happened before. Okay, yeah. like prequel. Kind of, yeah. Kind of thing. Sweet, nice. Uh, 1937. Boom. We've got uh, <laughs> Perez is like that one in the side room behind <laughs> the glass that does all the research while we're looking. 1937. Okay, cool. So I, I thought 1940, although I said like eight different years. But yeah, 1937, The Hobbit. And I know Smog. I remember Smog 
as I'm just going to share one of my memories here. Um, I'm old enough that not, not quite that old, uh, but the original cartoon that was created, the Hobbit cartoon holds such, it has like its own room forever in my memories in, in like my memory bank, my heart. Um, because I remember having that recording it specifically off of TV. So as I was watching it, when the commercials would start, you'd hit pause on the VCR and then you'd have to make sure you were there to hit pause again. And you know, you I remember trying to time it. So like I'd get the very end of like a McDonald's commercial just to make sure you could kind of tell, right? Like, I don't know if you guys remember, you could tell when it was coming back on, you're like kind of counting commercials a little bit. Sometimes you get it wrong. What's a VCR? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Perez, he's like 14 years old. <laughs> a VCR is a oh wow, video Charlie, help us with video that. cassette recorder. I think yeah, Something there like we that, go. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense. Video cassette recorder. I would have gotten it eventually. Um, yeah, so you, so I remember that that movie um, being on TV, and you know, it, so you you're watching it and watching it. I watched it so much, and, and VCRs those cassettes were analog it was actual tape and so if you watched it enough it would wear out that tape and i remember wearing that thing down to where it would be like in some spots you know <laughs> like frodo would be like Wasn't there's supposed to be like a little adjustment you could prevent that with that tracking yeah oh oh the tracking little lever yeah i forgot yeah. about that but sometimes it didn't matter how <laughs> how hard you tracked that thing was done um so that's my memory of hobbit is the the cartoon and like the who was the charlie you would know who the singer was that did the soundtrack probably it was like one guy oh man um all i know is there are a couple songs from that you cannot repeat on. glenn yarborough <laughs> Yarborough. 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 That was the pirate that was in the fraternity. <laughs> it's a like, Yarborough. <laughs> yeah, I just remember very specifically like his sound, like his voice. Um, but uh, Clint, you said there you can't repeat some of those? Or? There's some of the songs, yeah. It's just not today. Oh, you don't want me? <laughs> okay, I gotcha. You don't want me to sing it. I thought there was some yeah. like lore about you're not supposed to sing them or something. Yeah, no, something no, no, about no. an adventure, like greatest adventure or something. Tomorrow begins your greatest adventure. <laughs> the greatest adventure is what lies ahead. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to put people through that. Uh, by the way, we're recording at, uh, what is it, like 8.15 right now, a.m. <laughs> so um, we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You can still uh, see the bags under my eyes right now. Yeah, yeah. I had to kind of move the microphone so they wouldn't hit the hit the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> oh, that is a gross image. <laughs> All right, back to the Meatcast. So uh, do you guys have any memories of of Hobbit, um, of the Hobbit or, or the Dragon Smaug in particular? I just watched the newer movie, and Benedict Cumberbatch was that voice. Oh. Oh, the uh, Sherlock Holmes guy? Yeah. Is yeah. That, wait, is that Sherlock Holmes? He, he did that? one version of the Sherlock okay. Holmes. Yeah. The the series. Yeah. Isn't that that Ooh. guy? Yeah, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, yeah, yep. from from the Marvel things. Yeah, he did yeah. Sherlock. You guys haven't seen Sherlock the series? I haven't. I might be totally wrong, but like it was really good. All right, so Benedict Cumberbatch was um was was the voice of Smog. Nice, cool. And that was super CGI, right? That was like pretty new. What year was did that come out? 2013. 
oh god it still was 10 years ago it doesn't seem that long it feels ago. like yesterday it does for <laughs> sure um cool so you so was that worthy of um watching i liked it yeah i mean it's kind of cool seeing the behind the scenes too where uh they show him doing all the voice work and you know how how into it he gets oh you, know, you look at his voice versus him and his other roles it just doesn't match up very well and mm. so it's definitely different uh different voice for him I would assume, and I haven't seen the new one. Um, we're talking about the Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. The new Hobbit. Yeah, uh, but I would assume, like, since he's the voice of Smog, it's very intense. True. And and normally his other characters are kind of subdued a little. Is that what you're what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice. Did you guys see the newer one? I played the uh, the Lego Hobbit video game, and the uh, <laughs> what it had a complete level dedicated to Smog. That Whoa. was pretty great. A Lego me. video game. Mm-hmm. Oh. So like, like does it look like eight bit kind of? Is that like the thought yeah, with Lego? Or? Everything's made of Legos. In gotcha. It, so. Yeah. so like your your character's running and his little foot gets stuck in one of those little raised pegs right. and like oh I can't get my over. foot out. Game over. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, so we've got the newer ver- twenty well newer twenty thirteen Hobbit, uh, the Lego uh, Hobbit video game, um, and then Clint, <laughs> what's your Hobbit memory? Oh, let's see. <laughs> How many books have I read? Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So you, so you've read, you've read the Hobbit, like the actual book. Yeah. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah. Was that uh, is that one of those? I mean, it's normally more of a kid story. Kid story. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's more tailored towards you know a younger kind of fanciful. I think it was literally written for uh, Token's son. When oh, he did it? Yeah, as like a bedtime story sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, oh, so it nice. Kind of makes sense for that. <clears throat> but um, what was it? Uh, when they when they finally did Lord of the Rings, it was long afterwards, so it was more tailored to more adult themes. So. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm happy about that. Like, would have been way different if it was a kids' movie <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I then then I definitely remember because there was another Hobbit, not not 2013, but like earlier earlier. Wasn't there? Wasn't there another live? There's an- several or- renditions. Um, one of which was done when Tolkien was still alive that he abhorred completely. Okay. But it was, I think there was almost like like live action, but there was some puppets in there somewhere. Oh. And then there some was puppets. some sort of, uh, I think, uh, what, what do you call it? When they trace over the actual actor, um, there's a it's a style of making uh, things that hasn't been a big thing since uh, since the 80s. Oh, I remember um, uh, the Cars had that. Uh, you ever watched video the, where the girl goes into the into the black and white kind of drawing thing where they drew over you know that music video. Do 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 do. Yeah yeah yeah. Take on me. Take on me. Yeah. It's My, the same. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not yeah. the Cars. Uh, <clears throat> it's the same style of. Uh, uh, Way, they're the way they uh, make things. Like, uh, have you ever seen the heavy metal movie? Oh, oh man, that? long, long time ago. Yeah. yeah. There's like that Valkyrie girl kind of yep. thing on top of the dragon on the cover. Oh, yeah. And they start off with the. Oh, gotcha. Now I yeah. can see what you're talking about. Like, kind of yeah. like drawing over the I live I can't remember what it's stuff. called, but I know that it has a, spe- not a specific Rotoscope. type of name. Rotoscope. That's Rotoscope. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, thank you, internet but smartphones. Yeah, Animated I mean, version of The Hobbit was rotoscoped, I think, to some degree. Gotcha. I'll have to check that out. But 
Okay, uh, you guys ready to talk about the mead? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's talk about the mead. So uh, we've been doing a series of dragon tea meads, and by that we mean uh, all the meads have tea as an ingredient, and then depending on the color of the tea that we use, we matched it, uh, not we, you guys, uh, matched it with a dragon. And so for those who do not know Smaug or can't remember what color he is, um, yeah, so Perez, can you kind of explain the, the tea dragon connection there? Sure. Uh, I mean, when we were looking at all four of them, we were trying to figure out uh, as far as the colors of tea and the varieties that we could use, um, and then trying to match them up with some dragons. I think we had kind of narrowed it down to two of the red dragons, uh, tried to find you know some variations of smog that were out there. Obviously, the cartoon one uh, from the 70s is... He's got that red and brown color, but you look at the uh, the newer version from the Hobbit movie with Cumberbatch as the voice. He's you know pretty dark, other than uh, mm. uh, that spot on his scale, you know where they ended up mm. killing him. Um, so yeah, we figured, you gave it away, right? Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean a little more cartoonish on the label, but you know still kind of matches the theme of all the others. Um, you know, artist that we used does a good job of you know keeping with the theme, but still making it his own. Yeah. Yeah, and so you said you were looking at uh, a couple other uh, possible red dragons. Uh, Charlie, what, there was a, another red dragon out there? I can't think of. I think it was the Dungeons and Dragons oh, dragon. That's right. Fyrkog. What is it? Fyrkog. Fyrkog. Yes, it like that, right? Fire, are you? Did you do something like that? <laughs> Man, that look on Clint's. It sounds like you've had a run-in or two with uh, maybe that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one on the on the original. I don't know if it's the, the original, manual. but like the classic, yeah, manual for Dungeons and Dragons. Now I, I remember that that yeah. we were looking at that one. Um, but man, I mean, you got to go with Smaug. Like, yeah. like that's just that's I think the the one you got to do for Bit sure. More classic. Yeah, more yeah, more classic, more known, yep. you know, more relatable. So <laughs> relatable. A giant red dragon is very relatable to me. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got your uh, Oh, nice. Clint has his coffee mug. Again, it's about 8:30 in the morning. Uh with a red dragon, kind of red. Well, that's a really cool mug, man. That's awesome. Well, I'll we'll put a photo in the show notes. No, I won't. Um so all right, so we uh we looked at we had a red tea and so we're looking for a red dragon. Pick Smaug. Um, what tea was was used? Uh, I mean, it was, is, it, is it just red tea? Is that there's something specific, some type of red tea? Yeah, it's called Roibos, R-O-O-I-B-O-S, and it's uh, African herbal tea. It's caffeine-free. Oh, oh caffeine-free. No, <laughs> it's just kidding. Sometimes you want to buzz from the honey, not the not the caffeine. Cool. Okay, so Roibos, mm-hmm. Roibos, not Roo. R-O-O. Correct. No I in there? There is an I. Oh, there is. O-O-I. Oh, 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 I. <laughs> All right. Is it Robos or Robles? Oh, or gosh. Pronunciation. Yeah. Well, it's 8 o'clock in the it's morning. It's a different language. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. So an African herbal tea, um, caffeine-free, and we – is that the first – that's the first time we used red tea in, in a mead oh, me before, I'm sure, I would think, right? Yeah. The only other tea we've really used – is there anything besides metheglin that has used a tea before? And then Elliot. I think that's it. Well, well yeah, besides yeah, – <laughs> true, the, all, all the dragon tea series. Um, cool. So so tell me about that. How, how did the process go with um, – with picking out uh, which tea, was there a couple different red teas that you tried, Charlie, before picking this one out? 
Well, it was uh, the easiest to get a hold of, that's for sure. So, and um, I think one or two of us had had it before, but a lot of us were were new to it. So, mm. we just uh, got some and all tried it, and uh, it was very tasty, kind of earthy tasting. And uh, we were like, "Hey, we can work with this. Let's uh, stop our search here and continue onwards." Nice, sweet. And Clint, you're kind of a, a, a tea guy, I consider uh, you for sure. Um, what is there multiple, like how many, is, is red tea have a lot of varieties or very few? Anything made from rooibos would probably be considered the red tea. Everything okay. else is going to be made from the actual tea plant. Or if, otherwise it's called an herbal infusion. Okay. Uh, I totally understand what you're saying, but can you explain that a little further, what that means? You said the tea plant. So is rooibos yep. using a different part of the tea nope it's a completely different plant so it is also considered an herbal infusion but yeah oh okay i think i understand so like white tea and green tea are different like parts of the tea leaf's life yes cycle whereas at certain points in the growth cycle per year okay and then roy ruba i'm gonna pronounce that like five different ways red (laughs) tea rooibos is is a different species like would have a different scientific name to it yes oh okay cool Awesome. Um, and so taking that red tea, uh, we'll talk about the, the other special ingredient uh, that we ended up with. Uh, but were there any, what was the thought process of what you're going to match with that red tea? Yeah, I mean, this was a homebrew that I had worked on that I wanted to make uh, Tej um, mm. in that category of historical mead. Um, you just spent months trying to find a commercial example, um, needed to try to find one for the homebrew club. That way we could try to have a sample to compare to and um, was able to find that you use gesho, either the leaves or the stems. So we had submitted a recipe to our good friends, the TTB, <laughs> and we said, hey, we want to use this and um, you know make a traditional style. And after a couple weeks, they finally came back and said, nope, can't use it, not enough research on it, not considered, you know, USDA accepted ingredient. Um, but at least to try to keep with the style, the, um, the version that I made had uh, some of that red tea, I had uh, some vanilla beans in it, uh, some African honey that, you know, we'll talk about in a second and where we got that from, and then some gesho. You know, when I originally made mine, I had only used a little bit boiled it for a couple minutes and it's it's pretty awful uh <laughs> it's it's very bitter especially when you boil it and mm. i tried to do a, a second version of it where i cold steeped it did it for a couple days and figured okay that's that's plenty uh, but yeah grassy dirty kind of flavor overall definitely needed to be mm. masked by a lot of honey but i mean traditionally they would use that to start the fermentation because there'd be a lot of bacteria and yeast on it throw that in with the honey water uh, and it would you know spontaneous spontaneously <laughs> ferment um, you know low alcohol give it some bitterness give it some sourness uh, and had to be consumed fresh but obviously we didn't want to be doing some wild fermentations and you know needed to have a bit more control on it so eliminated the guest show kind of substituted it with some other things to keep with the style keep with the uh, you know the African theme I guess with the uh, special type of honey and the tea Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's funny to have such a classic 
style example not able to be created um, commercially. Right. Um, and I know that there is even a um, a meadery down in the valley now that is an in Ethiopian. Tucson. Or Tucson, sorry, mm-hmm. in Tucson, um, in the old Pueblo, that is uh, creating Ethiopian-inspired meads, but yet still not able to use that that route. Right. So maybe that'll change um, once know. mead grows a little bit. Yeah, but sounds like you're like, I don't really care if it does or not. It tastes weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it can be done well. Yeah, that guy's using <laughs> hops as his substitute, you know, fairly mm-hmm. close, gives it the bitterness. Yeah, I think we'd have to rely on someone like our Brewers Guild uh, to try to be working on those laws. But mm. you know, if you get it at the state level, you still have to be able to go to go above that at the federal level and convince them, hey, here's the research, here's whatever they need to to change all those laws. And it's like, who's going to go through the effort to do that? Just to say, we want this one ingredient to be used. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe them down in Tucson will will do that um, for everybody. But so we've got the the um, the red tea, we've got uh, this uh, honey variety that we'll talk about here in a second. But we also have another ingredient. What I what did I forget, Clint? Vanilla beans. Vanilla beans. Yes, yes, uh, that is actually a huge ingredient in this for sure. Um, and so yeah, vanilla beans were in it, and that was in your original recipe um, as well. Um, cool. So that, I mean, just a cheap, you know, addition vanilla beans. Yeah. Yeah. Only like $400 <laughs> a pound or something. Yeah. Yay. Um, cool. So let's, uh, let's talk about that third ingredient, the honey, because it is not only, um, it not only plays a big part in the flavor of our mead, but it's also, I think probably Charlie, you could tell us, is this the only time we've not used an Arizona honey in our, in our mead? I believe so. We've uh, we usually do the orange blossom honey, and a few times we've done uh, mesquite honey, both of which come from Arizona. But this was uh, the only one that I can think of where we've reached not only outside of the state but outside of the country. Woo, outside of the country. How far outside of the country did we go? Miles and miles and miles. <laughs> I wanted an exact number and in kilometers. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the the miombo. Is that the right? Miombo Blossom Honey, um, which is kind of a cool story uh, with how not only how we, you know, chose this this honey, but also a connection that we were uh, able to make. Actually, Perez was able to shake the hand of the person who uh, brought who brings this this special honey um, over and imports that. Not only this honey, but but a lot of different varieties. Um, so Miombo Blossom Honey, um, do you want to speak a little bit to to that uh, that ingredient, any of you guys? Yeah, so kind of like uh, coffee coffee growers and coffee importers will have their uh, you know fair sourcing, ethical trading, that sort of stuff. Um, I got a hold of this guy Brian Warner. He's the president of the World Honey Exchange, and he has places all over the world that he's uh, got partnerships with, kind of working directly with the beekeepers, making sure that they're paid and treated fairly making sure that they're bringing quality stuff. Uh, you know, he's basically acting as a broker, which is kind of weird that he's a honey broker in a <laughs> sense. Um, when I talked to him a couple months ago, he was saying that he was working on trying to save some honey from Ukraine that was kind of, you know, up in limbo from the war that was going on. Huh. Uh, he's got a bunch of projects all over Africa. Uh, he's got a bunch of stuff in South America. So, you know, he sent me his list and he says, hey, we have all these different varietals. 
at least you know based on price point we figured hey and this one's a you know good introduction we don't want to spend you know $100 a pound and find out that this, this honey is not going to be what we uh, anticipated so uh, found one that worked found it you know within that region found something that was out of Africa that we could get our hands on um, you know we just kind of went for it it's not like we got small samples and figured hey let's try this <laughs> let's try that let's try this other one it's kind of you know this, this might work let's give it a shot and I think it worked pretty well yeah jumped right in right off the bat cannonball um yeah the and I think it's yeah it's really cool to you know we're we love our orange blossom honey, obviously, and we're not ones to really like, like we'll use different ingredients and come up with different varieties, but we don't go crazy like some others with, uh, you know, make a traditional out of 18 different honey varieties and see, which is cool. That's awesome. Um, but we're more of a mead to the masses. Um, so this was a, this was a cool little, I wouldn't say experiment, but, um, you know, adventure <laughs> like, uh, like Frodo would, would say, um, it is Frodo in the Hobbit, right? No. No. Bilbo. Bilbo. Oh, knew it. Whatever. I can edit whatever I want. Let's see. 26 minutes. <laughs> um, so uh, just like Bilbo wanted to go on a great adventure, we went on an adventure uh, with this African honey, this Miombo Blossom honey. And yeah, I do think it's cool that, that what this guy's doing, he's trying to almost kind of um, protect the honey and the beekeepers and, and also in a way the ecosystems or, or the, the land that this is coming from, because I looked into a little bit into the Miombo uh, and Miombo is kind of a description of an ecosystem. So it's not like an actual plant. It's like a, um, a terroir uh, of plants. So like we would say like um, the pinion juniper forest or grasslands, you know, there's lots of different plants. Um, so Miombo blossom is this area. Miombo is this forest land that, instead of going in and bulldozing and turning it into something else like agricultural land, farmland, or, or development, um, he's trying to say, hey, we can keep it intact, or, or, or the beekeepers are, we can keep this land intact as is and still get, um, you know, yeah, make it economically viable. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. That's a hard, hard fight, but it seems like, is that the understanding that you kind of got? Yeah. A lot of regions in that area are figuring, you know, this, this area is not economical, not viable when they're like, oh, we could plant corn, wheat, whatever else, you know, might be bringing those communities money. Um, but, you know, partnering with them and saying, hey, we'll, we'll buy this from you. We'll pay, you know, top dollar because it's worth it. And it kind of, you know, I guess preservation is probably the best word. It's not like he's uh, reforesting it, but it's definitely keeping, you know, that region intact, making sure that, yeah, it doesn't get bulldozed or turned into something else. Um, and, and for the region, it's pretty much the only place in the world that that's available. So if that was to go away, then, you know, bye-bye Miombo Blossom. Yeah. Yeah. And it would take a lot as, as, you know, Charlie just said, this is the first time we've ever used non, um, mountaintop Arizona honey. It take takes a lot for us to to do something like that and i think that story and and the flavor um helped a lot too i love the flavor of that honey but that story really helped us uh, decide that it was okay to reach beyond beyond arizona um, and grab that honey so speaking of do you guys have tasting notes like what do you guys think because i got a, a cool tidbit on uh how they kind of process the honey but you know flavor wise were there certain notes that you guys picked up on from the meat itself Seemed like uh, maybe a little brown sugary kind of taste, cool. like molasses, yeah, kind yeah. Of burnt sugar. I heard molasses a lot, and that's how I I kind of ended up describing it. Um, uh, and then to add on to that, I would say, and this could be just 
my brain working this way, but like a smokiness. Um, but like molasses is almost like a, a, a toasted or burnt kind of sugary kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm the only one. Anyone else feel like a smokiness to it? Yeah, I got a lot of smoke. I know Charlie initially, uh, when we were working with the, uh, the tea, he was using leather. You know, kind of yeah. that earthiness, I think. Oh, as a, as a tasting note. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. wasn't actually using leather. Were you? Uh, <laughs> Dipping your belt in there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take that out of there. I was wondering why you're bringing your belt in every bit. day. <laughs> so, but yeah, a lot of earthiness overall. Um, one of the things that Brian was talking to me about with the, the process of, especially this one, um, the beekeepers have to hike two hours from where they are to get to their hives uh, and they basically will make um, like a campfire next to it and use that to smoke the bees away from the hives. So, you know, I guess as far as harvesting practices compared to a little handheld smoker uh, where they're just doing that at the, the base of the hive, you know, they, they have to basically build a fire um, to get the bees off. And then they're kind of processing all of that on spot. So hmm. he was saying that that smoke kind of imparts itself into the honey. Um you know, rather than just doing it by hand. So yeah, a lot of natural smoky characters from the fire that they have to build. And then they got to hike it two, two hours back to their village. So it's, it's a crazy process that these guys are having to deal with, you know, not only the hike there, plus the weight of all the honey, but I mean, a lot of dangerous wildlife that's in the area too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. God. Well, it's a good thing that honey is so lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Charlie's laughing the biggest over there. He's lifting those pails up. Oh man. Um, yeah, uh, that's cool. Good. I'm glad I got that smokiness, and that makes sense. Be, you want to do as much processing while you're out there. You don't. You don't go out there, take the trays all the way back. You know your two hour hike, and then bring them back. You want to try to get everything done right there. So you do need that billowing smoke, um, and it will get on the product more. So oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Um, yeah, Clint. Any other notes that you get um, from from this one, whether it's the Miombo honey or the tea or the vanilla bean? I have nothing really that hasn't already been said. Yeah, cool. I think the vanilla to me also, when I when I think about it, it comes out and it it kind of enhances that molasses brown sugar that we were talking about, and almost gives it a little bit not not a whole lot, but a little bit of a barrel aged kind of sense to it. Um, you know, with those vanillins and, and that kind of smokiness and woody maybe-ness um, from there. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think if you're a scotch drinker, um, this one is a, is a pretty good choice. Would you guys agree or dis- feel free to disagree? Yeah, especially since you know, Trekiempe is gone. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it is now gone. No more Trekiempe, our barrel-aged um, deliciousness. So yeah, uh, so that would be more of a scotch kind of drinker's I mead. I would say it's more like a bourbon. Bourbon. Okay. Well, yeah, because you got that honey, you got yeah. that sweetness. Um, so, cool. Uh, nice. So, red tea worked really well. Uh, the Miombo Blossom Honey is a great little story to add there. The vanilla beans are expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anything in the process of making this that stands out uh, when you guys were making this um, with this new honey? Was there anything you guys ran into uh, with that or the red tea? Just trying not to eat all the honey before we used it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I only got like a little dab off of a toothpick, right. I think, that one day mm. <laughs> off of the taste. So I, I, I missed out on that. But it was good just as as is, that honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got a lot of shaking of the heads here um, vertically. Uh, cool. But everything went well back there? Yeah. Got, yeah. Pretty standard uh, procedure. 
throughout. Yeah. You'd already, at that point, uh, Charlie used um, two T's in Meads prior. This was the third one. So by that point, uh, you had kind of any kinks worked out? Yeah. Uh, you know, we uh, had refined our method a little bit more each time, and uh, everything went super smooth on it. Nice. Sweet. Well, I think this episode went pretty damn smooth as well. If you're out there listening, um, good luck finding a bottle of smog. It is probably gone by the time you you get this, but there might be some places in bottle shops where you could find it. Um, And if you do, awesome. Buy two bottles, put one aside, and drink one now because I feel like this one would age beautifully. I, I feel like I feel like it's got that strong character that would that would uh, meld good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Any other final words on Smaug? I'd say it was uh, one that the the ingredients that went into it. Uh, no, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say it kind of ended up being uh, more of. There was lots of flavors that were coming through that were not ingredients that were put in. It was the sum of it was more than what was put in. So oh, cool. If that makes sense at all, like mm. you know, I was tasting all kinds of things in it that I know weren't put in there, but I was Except still the leather. Getting, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you're throwing that leather. Right. No, that's a great, great point. Um, because yeah, when we're tasting the strawberry mead, we taste strawberry and honey. When we're tasting the even some of the other dragon meads, maybe, you know, like the the um, Elliot, the the matcha green tea and jalapeno, you know, it's not like all of a sudden there was some citrusy flavor to it or something right. like that. But you're saying other flavors, uh, molasses, brown sugar, leather, that kind of stuff. Right. You could swear that there is like at least some brown sugar or molasses in there. Yeah. We put none in. And it was uh, the fact that it was, you know, greater than the sum of its ingredients was pretty interesting to me. Nice. That's cool. I like that. Uh, that's a great, great point, a great way to... Uh, to kind of wrap it all up, uh, I actually let me let me wrap it up by this uh, smog out of the four. Um, put it in your you know out of the four. Where would it fit in your top ones? Number one being your favorite dragon. Uh, number four being your least favorite. Put you on the spot. Number one or two. Okay, right on. Nice one or two for that, Clint. For you, I would say this one's three. Three. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'd go number one. Number one. Mm-hmm. All right. So kind of all over the board, but no one, no one had it as their least favorite. Um, so I'd say, oh gosh, that's a tough one. I, I want to give a strict answer, but I would say one or two. I'd say it's tied with another one. Um, it's kind of hard because I haven't had Falcors in so long mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that it's hard to compare it to that one. Um, but yeah, it's up there for sure. Uh, except for Clint. Clint's number three. No. <laughs> no, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> Better to be a non nonconformist to the table. Anyway, uh, thanks guys for joining me on joining me and us, all of us out there, on this episode number thirty four of the Drinking Horror Mean Cast. And uh, yeah, let's do it again with our final fourth dragon. So if you're listening to this now and you haven't listened to the other um, episodes, you can find them all anywhere that you get your podcast, whether that be uh, Apple Podcast or Podbean or um, you can't do it on Stitcher anymore. Did you guys know Stitcher's gone? Stitcher's gone. Stitchers. 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 <laughs> so anyway, uh, go out and find us. But if you're listening to this, you already know where to find us. That's kind of silly. <laughs> but uh, let people know uh, if they're fans of mead or drinking horn or of delicious, great, amazing beverages. Uh, share this mead cast with them. Get the word out. Uh, we have a lot of fun here. We hope you did too. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, where's the coffee?